Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with going alone, Jamesy. <laughs> and busting his balls, Brando. See, we have good segues right now. <laughs> well, last last week was that was the going alone was the I know article title. I know, and I'm busting your balls because we were busting his balls for going alone. Oh, we're gonna do more of that today, damn it! <laughs> oh, here we go. Today, everybody, you're back for week two of worldwide, international, domestic, internationally renowned cave diving month. Great that podcast. It's actually intergalactic cave diving month. It's been adopted by the Federation of Intergalactic Aliens. Shout out to Space Force. (laughs) (laughs) No, Brando, uh, um, last week's little talk about Deacon's unfortunate dive. Gave me the blues. Gave us the blues, the Deacon blues. Pulled a Steely Dan on me. And, um, you know, so it it got me, you know, kind of looking back through some of uh, my cave training materials. And um, kind of at the core of cave diver training is a concept, Brando, called accident analysis. It sounds familiar. You were on, <laughs> you're on scuba board. Let me guess. Scuba board is is uh, is better now because nobody's on it anymore. Well, it? I think they're on it more than almost any any form. For for those old timers, you st- yeah, you they're all on, they're, everybody's stop. over on Facebook stuff nowadays. That's where that's where all the bad stuff's kind of moved. And bad stuff? Is there bad stuff? A little infighting? The same old questions over and over and over. Right. Yeah. When you, when you get really tired of of isn't isn't this Facebook group asking the same question they've asked fifteen <laughs> times in the last year alone? Just go back fifteen years on scuba board. You'll see all those years. same. You'll see all those exact same questions there too. By the way. <laughs> What is the best defog out there? <laughs> yeah. Should I take uh and then fill in the blank with your class? I'm not certified, but <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not cave certified, but let me tell you my perspective of cave diving. Wouldn't it be smarter to just drill an escape hole every twenty feet? That's out, out I think of we the should cave? just outlaw it. Outlaw it. Well, funny you should say that, Brandon. Hey, if we outlaw everything that can kill you, we're, we're going to just uh, basically be sitting in our houses. And even then, you can be killed. In my book that I have, one of my very nice cave diving books, I've got a collection of articles and opinions that were edited by the, uh, by the great Jill Heinerth and uh, Bill Oigarten. Uh, and this is an article written by your old bearded buddy, Jeffrey Bozanek. And he says right in the opening paragraph of this article, accident analysis, that cave diving has long been considered one of the most, if not the most, hazardous form of scuba diving. Newspaper columns, magazine articles, and television news reports often carried stories with such headlines as, cave diver killed in scuba accident. Did they say it with that voice? That was pretty good, James. Or, Killer Cave Strikes Again! You should be on TMZ. (laughs) The truth was, given the low numbers of people diving in caves, there was a disproportionate number of accidents and fatalities. 
Right, and this was going back to the, to the late '60s, right? Where, um, you know, it, it, pre-formal you, training, pre-formal training, and uh, it was just people with scuba instruction that were able to buy some scuba gear that knew of, uh, you know, local water swimming hole, hole yeah. water hole out on you know Uncle Bobby's horse farm, and uh, they they jump in and boom, fatality. So I guess where I've been going in the past was the way cave diving instruction developed from open water instruction really changed the whole way instruction was taking place for the next couple of decades in the way that I look at things today in 2024 and where they're going with the wide you know acceptance of the cave and overhead environment as like a normal progression of diving today. I mean, it's, it's one of the first pictures you see when you're flipping through social media anymore are amazing cave dives that you, you never saw pictures of 30 years ago. The, the instruction, in my opinion, is going to have to change from what used to be, you know, in an open, in the open water world, it's, it's very bottom up thinking. Like you've got to be able to breathe underwater and do some skills. So, so they just slap a bunch of gear on you, they teach you the gear, and then you can take specialties along the way. And all those specialties of most of the agencies are really there just to, to give you more time underwater doing the things that you should have learned. Whatever name, whatever stupid <laughs> silly name they give it, you know, underwater basket weaving, you know scuba flamethrower magic show whatever it's going to be really is there to just allow you to have more time underwater getting comfortable because they never gave you that in the very beginning open water class nothing's really stacked upon itself well rather than an end goal justifying the layout of the means along the way like you see in in a cave diver program along those lines yeah, it sounds like you want everybody to be cave diver certified, James, which is the argument that you're going to get for the people that are against having a more intensive open water course. That's exactly right. They're going to say that, but that's but you and I both know that's not the point of what I'm saying. I well, exactly. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because uh, I like the devil. I know you brought you're your the pit- devil, you, and I you brought your, your you brought your pitchfork <laughs> today and everything. You got your pointy tail on. Uh, I never go anywhere without it, my horns. But yeah, I mean, we've we've been saying that. The introduction to the world of scuba should be a little more intensive and extensive. And um, you, you wouldn't need to piecemeal all these silly, quote-unquote, specialty classes that are really just excuses to get you in the water a little bit more. In, in other words, I don't say they're not helpful, but biggest helpfulness is in the process of getting you in the water under the tutelage of hopefully a competent instructor. Well, yeah, absolutely. Even the, if you're uh, just basket weaving. Correct, because what you never had was really time to get good at buoyancy control because you had to get slapped through 24 skills as fast as possible so that you had a chance of buying gear and maybe taking a trip and, you know, keeping that, you know, business. old idea of the <laughs> scuba business model yeah. alive. It's kind of shooting the scuba industry in the foot because the people get in it so quick they're not comfortable it takes time to get that comfort it takes yeah, and it, training and, it took, it, and i think it took time you know for the the scuba world to realize this do you think they've realized it 
I think a lot of the scuba world, you're right, has not realized this yet. And those old time dinosaurs that are running a lot of the the big agencies that have uh, and the the big companies selling equipment that have been around for you know in the game for 30, 40 years, they don't care. They just want to get out while they're still making money. They're going to eke it out for a few more years. But by by the time that regime changes, there's going to be a major change in scuba you don't have you can't not have it i mean too many people are diving now and talking on social media and talking in forums and groups that you know about it early on it's not something that you might get to in a couple of decades and like the whole idea that you can go through scuba training and then you've got to take a basket weaving class or a, a buoyancy specialty class because you you never learned that stuff in the beginning right yeah yeah you know just because the the model is based on we got to get them in the water it's not we gotta train them well hopefully they keep taking a myriad of of little specialty classes that will finally piece together to one complete training yeah, I think it's also not as simple as the way we're explaining it, because when you look at people coming into scuba, it's not like the old days in the beginning <laughs> where people coming into scuba had an affinity for the water usually, uh, were strong swimmers and very comfortable in the water. Nowadays, you don't really have to have those qualities. So it's bringing in everybody into the scuba world, which... Again, this is at the root of of the problem because they want everybody to buy equipment, knowing full well that everybody can't scuba dive competently in a in a class that is meets for six times two hours a day. It's just not possible. So, and there's been changes over yeah, yeah, yeah. over the past decade, and it's just slow. I think it's like a freight train. You're you're not going to turn it around on a dime. So, I mean, I I get it if you're you know, version of scuba diving is strictly a recreational place where people can go blow bubbles and just have fun, man. Yeah, man. Right. So, okay, great, great. But then you can't give them a certification that lets them go down a hundred, 130 feet for life. (laughs) And that lasts their entire life, whether they've, been in the water in 15 years or not right like like but let's, we have, urge let's have some you to real take refresher james we urge you to <laughs> we recommend we highly recommend there you go and look look <laughs> at the the refresher too in yeah, most cases yeah well a two-hour well, session look what they've pool. yeah look what they've done to that because it's like riding a bike except if the bike was underwater and you couldn't breathe <laughs> if you ran out of gas <laughs> so what happened in the the 60s and the seventies with the likes of uh Dave Dave DeSotles and Sheck Exley and the like and then later Wes Skiles and so on into the eighties and nineties was there was you know a, a detailed look at what happened in the water on a on a cave dive. And the the accidents and the fatalities started to get grouped and organized into to, to try to find a pattern of, of what may have been causing this love of people that they loved doing it. And th- there was threats of, well, we just need to shut down. Like, you shouldn't be allowed to go into caves. And there was a small group of people that decided, uh, no, let's figure out why these people are diving. It's not because they're cave diving. 
It's because they're doing something wrong in the water. And we're going to build our education around that rather than what was happening on the other end of the scuba world, which was let's just get everybody scuba certified, make it as easy as possible, and then we'll slowly start adding some things in along the way if they stick around long enough. Yeah. To address the cave community's predicament, they knew they had to come up with a formal training program that was uniform and addressed those categories of fatalities. I think if uh, it's kind of just a, a logical, smart way to approach it, and that's what they did. Jeff says, from 1970 to the beginning of the 21st century, virtually all cave diving fatalities have been attributed to one or more of the following causes. Many people have placed a great deal of importance in assigning which of these causes has been responsible for the most fatalities, sometimes differentiating the importance of any given factor based on whether the victim was trained to dive in caves or not. The reality is that all five causes are pertinent to uncertified divers, divers holding open water certifications, and trained cavern and cave divers. And because of this, this text will not attempt to assign relative significance to the rules, but will treat them all equally. And then he kind of goes through and, and, and talks about the five kind of cardinal rules of cave diving. And then later goes on to talk about some contributory causes. But when you look at the five, the five rules, I mean, it really sets up a base of education thinking overall. The first one, Brando, being training right if you're going to cave dive you've got to be trained in cavern and or cave diving to the level that you're going to go to well that makes sense just like in open water i mean it's it's not said but it but it is known like yeah you need to learn to dive in order to go scuba diving it's not just like going skiing where you can just go to the hill with never doing it before <laughs> You know, rent some skis, you know, crash down the hill a few times, maybe sprain a wrist, tear a meniscus. I was going to say, I mean, skiing might not be the best example because getting a lesson or two in skiing is super helpful. And probably if you look at the statistics, I would uh, venture to say that skiers that have received some training have much less or far less accidents than skiers who just do, as you just said, strap on some skis and run down the hill with them. I don't know for sure. I could be talking on my ass, and it would uh, it would be a bad example to use because it would show you you don't really need any training. But I would venture to say that even in skiing, getting formal training in it, that it is kind of uniform across the ski world where the best of the best have come in and said, teach them like this. This is the a best technique to use, blah, blah, blah. I think that would really reduce any accidents. Accidents, no doubt about it. More than 90% of all people who died while diving in submerged cave systems lacked the appropriate training to be where they were. Proper training for diving in overhead environments is essential for your safety. We have an adage in cave diving. No amount of open water training, even instructor level, will prepare you to dive safely in caves. In fact, the accident files contain more than 25 cases where open water diving instructors drowned while attempting to dive in caves. We got the same thing with shipwrecks. You know, it's overhead environment. 
Yeah. It's an it's overhead environment. And that kind of that's what I mean is when you when you're given this certification this advanced certification. No, no, no. This master, <laughs> you are a master of this world certification. Yeah. And then you go you go to someplace like a cave environment and they tell you Hey, by the way, sir, um, uh, just like, like you know, we have an adage around here that says no open amount of open. Ah, I am a master. Do <laughs> and I ever get out of my way? <laughs> right? You can. Yeah. My 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 overall point is like, although they're both scuba diving, the highest level of one, and you were not poorly prepared, but you were completely unprepared in the other and the way the model of the education has to flip has to change not that you start with cave diving but you have to start with principles that are going to work in a cave not so that those principles are completely brand new to you when you get there right well and that goes to a lot of things that we preach anyway which is building that foundation that that you add to not change every time you want to move into a different environment or a different type of diving uh right having to restructure your whole thought process is a waste of time it doesn't need to be done especially if you start out right absolutely which is really set the basis of the training philosophy that you and I have presented for the last couple of decades, which is, you know, starting with the end in mind, whether it's the, the equipment that you're using, the environment that you're going to be in. I mean, if you prepare yourself for the apex of being underwater so that everything that you do along the way grows in that direction, not stops and starts over. Yeah. The whole stopping and then go right back to the, uh, the beginning of the whole path again. So they're saying training or lack thereof in cave diving fatalities accounted for, at least to some degree, 90% of the victims of a cave diving accident. Right. And and if we looked way back to like 1962. Two. Exact, exact year. <laughs> what month? What month? January. Right in the beginning. Right in the beginning. If we looked uh, right back to that, I think that uh, the, the conversation would have been had as well of just basic open water scuba back when you could just walk into the local sporting goods store, spend you know $200 and have every single thing you could need to go scuba diving and uh, your instruction was a, a pamphlet that came with your Aqualung regulator. <laughs> you know, I, I would say that probably 90% of the scuba fatalities back then, just scuba in general, was I bought all the gear because I, you know, I was looking through, you know, dad's, you know, outdoor magazine and saw the scuba stuff and saved up money and, and went and did it. Yeah, it was probably... Same thing, like, well, you have to have training, which is where the training programs started early on in diving, and we've we've looked back at some of the early programs and how intense they were, but that wasn't good for business. So the scuba industry changed the business model to not provide quality education. It was set up an educational model that they can be in a recurring program of revenue to build a business around. But cave diving kind of kept to the root of, listen, if you're not going to put the time in for training, you know, go stick to your Scooby-Doo open water world. Yeah, well, I think they had more of a threat that 
the caves were going to be taken away from them, you know, because that chant was always in the background, make it illegal. They were not motivated by numbers. As a matter of fact, they were probably motivated to make the training as difficult as they could and intense as they could so the numbers would stay low and the caves wouldn't get destroyed and the statistics would be in their favor. Yeah, because there was a major threat at the time. Yeah. It's always a major threat. It's still a major threat, James. Yeah, absolutely. And the training has to be good. So the training isn't get in the water as quickly as possible. Start today. Start as fast as possible. Get in. Here's your card. Maybe in a couple of years you're going to learn. Right? Like, like Jeff says in this, he says, training consists of several areas. Typical courses entail academic material, which is often presented in a combination of methods, lecture, Reading and interactive media are all common. Skills are generally introduced on land, then later practiced and refined while in open water. Only after a basic proficiency is demonstrated should you enter the overhead environment with your instructor. It is extremely hazardous to attempt to train oneself for diving in overhead environments. Remember that most of the people who die are essentially trying to do that. Yeah, because, again, you, you don't know what you don't know. And to believe that you can cover a majority of the bases on your own is it, a little ridiculous. It's one thing, you know, you go out and you buy some tools and you want to build your own whatever. Adirondack she chair, she shed, whatever. Yeah, it's one thing to do that. You don't, you don't have a familiarity with them, but you know, hey, I need a circular saw. I need tape measure. I need some hammer, screwdrivers, nails, and... There's a YouTube video maybe on it. That's okay because the ramifications are you have this shitty she shed. The shitty she shed. She she said. Well, that way I'm going to learn. <laughs> that way I'm going to learn for by the time I build my man cave. Yeah. I'm, well, I, I, I've, I've, already pra- I've already practiced yeah, on the pra- she shed. You practice with the she shed, the kids cave, the, the pets playhouse. Keep, keep going here until you finally master it. But the ramifications, the consequences for fucking up aren't nearly maybe it cost you a finger with saw who knows but aren't nearly as deadly as cave diving where if you try to self-teach yourself self-teach yourself you try to approach cave diving with an autodidactic method you are going to probably miss a lot of possible issues and problems and skills that you need to learn that you don't even know you need to learn well, they're listed right here. Look at exactly. Just there's, it, a, ch- there's a checklist of them. <laughs> well, and, and there, I mean, even that right there goes to a lot of things that we've seen over the years. It's uh, I don't need this course because look at me, I I already do this. I I already well, own there you jet go. fins. I already I already have my twins and the hose routing with the proper lengths. Uh, so I don't need a course. I'm good, right? Well, then you look at something like. In the open water, right, you're told that you we're going to do some air sharing on, you know, on this pool session. But the air sharing there, like, you're going to go through that air sharing, and it's going to be a complete and utter clusterfuck. But you're going to move on to the open water, and the open water air share is going to be even worse of a clusterfuck, but you're still <laughs> going to get a certification card. Right. And you're going to show up someplace in the future in a cave class, and you're going to spend hours <laughs> dry running dry running air right. shares on land in the parking lot before you ever even get into the water. And you're going to do that in an open water basin 
in the, in the underwater before you ever get into an overhead mm-hmm. and, and do this so that the, the, there's so much attention to the cleanliness and the perfection of the detail and building the muscle memory i mean that's where what that muscle you're, you're doing there is uh, you're starting that muscle memory process right but when you do a you know your your basic you know cheapy weekend 99 dollars scuba program there's you don't have the time to start doing you know dr- a dry dry runs of of air shares uh dry runs of of propulsion uh taking the time to really look at breathing properly so mass clearing is not an issue ever when you get into the water right the 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 course structure could never exist and that's what i meant earlier when i said that it's so bottom based in so much as get it get the basic done as fast as possible and then maybe maybe they'll figure it out down the road yeah well that i mean that's what they're hoping for they're hoping that you know this person is the typical which is they are taking a scuba class because they have a trip in mind. They have a, a specific goal. And I know the industry believes, okay, they're going to go do this once but and never do it again, you know, because they're going to start a family. Well, I'm getting married. I'm going to the Caribbean. I want to go scuba diving. You get a lot of that. and the, Absolutely. And, yeah. then they, and then they go – Five years later with that <laughs> basic certification, yeah. and they're like, well, if I tip the dive master 100 bucks, you know, day one, he'll let me on the deep dive. Jeff says using a guideline in underwater caves is essential. The guideline helps prevent navigational errors that would result in divers getting lost, allows a safe exit in the event of siltouts or other loss of visibility, and can greatly reduce stress levels. Yet, merely because a guideline is in place does not ensure safety. Improper placement of lines has directly led to some accidents. Yep. That's all I can say to that, too. Yep. He's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's, there's a huge emphasis on the training with line laying, right? Because exactly what he said, you can lay a line to the point where it's really unfollowable on the way back. And uh, there's right, yes, <laughs> it's a major issue. Not, it's not just having a line in there; it's having a well-placed line. Yeah. So, again, in, in cave training, you're going to spend time learning to properly lay and retrieve a line. But you know, in in the course of some good training, you're, you're going to be taught something else, in my opinion, and that's going to be like, how do I ensure a clean, safe exit? And I'm going to, if I've, if I've gone in and went further in my diving to this level, I'm going to backtrack to when I'm on an open water dive, and I take that thinking with me there also right and it oh, becomes well, yeah. whether i'm doing yeah. a cave dive whether i'm doing an open water shipwreck dive whether i'm doing a shallow 30 foot reef dive for, for me I'm, I'm approaching the game the same way of i'm always before the dive even begins i'm already thinking of the exit and how that's got to be the most important the cleanest the most well laid out portion of the dive Agreed. I mean, you should be approaching that dive as if the shit hits the fan at the worst possible moment. And how do I get home safely and not just get home and do your uh, blow and go to the surface thing to get home safely doing your proper stops, safe ascent rates, no crazy. Ah, I'm just I'm taking off my gear and I'm going to make it to the surface. You're, there's none of that. It's a proper 
ascent to proper return home no matter what. So even when the shit really hits the fan, you're good to go. With everybody that you started the dive with. Oh, also. that always is helpful, right? I mean, I like to believe it's I I made it, but old old Joe. Right. And when we look back at a lot of the lessons for life stories and recipe for disasters. Mm-hmm. So by, by the way, we gotta we do some cooking up another. We good do. Recipe we haven't done a we, 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 we done any cook up a new recipe. Chef but, work. Yeah. But yeah, my my you know, when, when you look back at those, mm-hmm. it is a, a a mentality, or I should say, a lack of mindset that gets people into a lot of the issues where one out of the three survives. Yeah, I, I think that's a great word that really a little more emphasis should be placed in open water is that a proper mindset approaching diving. Again, with the end in mind, with the idea that shit hits the fan at the, you know, Murphy's Law. Shit hits the fan at the worst possible moment uh, under the worst possible circumstances. So, and that my team is coming out. You know, they're all part of that mindset. I don't know if uh, is there is there anything that like details a proper mindset? Um, no, not in most open water instruction. Unless, well, there is in the teaching that I teach. You know, I I teach a philosophy of diving. And around the philosophy that I teach, there's scuba curriculum, you know, for different levels, be it, you know, beginning open water diver, advanced open water diver, somebody looking to go into deeper water, the the philosophy grows. But one of the first things that, that I teach is mindset. But that's why I teach. That's why I teach for a small little boutique agency. I don't teach for the, a big guy. No, I get it. I get it. And uh, again, that was my attraction back in the day is that was it was a uh, not a goal oriented uh, approach to scuba education. It was a philosophy oriented approach to scuba education, which, again, because with goal oriented, the idea is you're going to train them for different different circumstances with these. The goal being, well, we're going to make it out of here alive. And have a good dive. Whereas the philosophy is, I can't teach you every possible circumstance. I can't. But if I teach you an approach to diving and a mindset to diving, you're going to be able to apply your training to nearly any dive, at at least to a certain degree, right? Absolutely. Versus learning your advanced diving, but it doesn't relate to the deep diving. Exactly. And learning the deep diving, but it doesn't really relate to the wreck diving that I did. And learning the wreck diving has nothing to do with what I'm gonna what I learned in my night diving my night diving specialty. Right? It, it, it's exactly goal orient goal oriented versus philosophical yeah, mindset. Mm-hmm. Rule number three, Brando is Reserve a minimum of two-thirds of your initial air supply for diving. So the rule of thirds is, uh, I, I think, a better a better uh, wording to that would be a proper gas plan. Absolutely. I would agree with you. Because thirds uh, aren't always it. They aren't always the proper plan. Exactly. Um, and especially when you get, you know, in, in cave diving, it's one thing because, you know, you're going in, you're coming out the same, you know, sloping you know, drop, but there are some caves where you've <laughs> got to down, account down. for, a, a, I've got like a straight down to a hundred plus feet and then the cave exists. Well, 
it's going to take you a lot longer to come back up that 100 feet than it took you to go down that 100 feet, you know, based off of the, the decompression time. So you need to think about that a little bit. Or if you try to take that thinking out into open water, you know, especially where we have, where you're going to go down to a shipwreck that's in 130 feet of water and, you know, that boat captain's going to let you do it on a single steel 100. Well, third, thirds doesn't really work when you do the math, right? So having a proper gas supply is critical. But the concept, in my opinion, is is the big thing, which is the I have to have a logical, critical gas supply that I base and manage the whole entire dive in and around so that I have more than enough gas to get me home if I have an emergency, preferably me and a teammate all the way back home, worst case scenario. Well, I would say not even preferably. I mean, it's kind of mandatory. I should be able to, I should have enough in my gas plan to get both of us home from the furthest, deepest point of the dive in a uh, shit hit the fan scenario. I mean, that's the idea, right? It's 100% the idea. Like, like, why do you have a brightly colored yellow octopus attached to the triangle area between the, the lower quarters of your rib cage and your, your right? Why do you have that there if you don't have enough gas in that bottle to get both of you all the way home doing the exact same ascent you would have done in a perfect world anyways? So that, and that's, that's an awesome mindset, a great approach to a dive, but is that approach in your average open water course? Is that taught like, okay, here's the uh, thought process of a gas plan, not, Hey, be on the boat with 500 and never let your tank go below 500 because that's bad. No, they actually go, listen, here is how you plan gas. This is how you plan gas. The, the problem is with uh, the, the state of electronics today. I mean, the, what, what's being taught even more so is you just program in and uh, you just wait for the beep. Well, it's really weakening the old noggin uh, of the average diver. Wait for the old beep. I mean, if you take away all the, uh, all the work out of diving, is it, is it as attractive an activity as it is right now where you actually have to think and, and work and not just turn your brain off, go underwater, look at the fish in the white walls of the cave. I mean, um, I don't know, man. It, I mean, there's a philosophical debate that we'll go on having for an eternity, probably. Yeah. In my opinion, I think we're going to be extinct in a decade. <laughs> it's quite, <laughs> it's quite possible. But I mean, the 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 it's human nature to try to keep making things simpler and easier. It is uh, like ha- doing the long math, doing doing the brain work. I I understand why. So, you know, when you're when you put it in a business, I I get why they want to take that away because it it, it keeps people from coming in because uh, that's going to be too hard. Oh, I could do it a really really fast easy way. Yeah, I want to go try in it. But I don't know, man. Like, like I, I mean, I went both ways. You went both ways. I mean, when I don't back go both in the early, ways. I've never gone back both in the ways. early days. Maybe you've gone. That's both how ways. it was. <laughs> I don't go both ways. But back in the early <laughs> days, that's how it was. Yeah. You, you, you buy the technology because you think that's a smart way, and then eventually we both made the turn of like, I can do all this myself and feel way more confident and comfortable 
Well, I think we get into this uh, a very deep discussion on you know hu- human humanity, if you want to call that. I mean, do you want a, a house that's 3D printed, or do you want a house that's hand built by a craftsman? Do you want to pay two hundred thousand for that house, or do you want to pay one point two million? If for the, that if house? the it, it depends on the craftsmanship, and that's the thing. One's sure, a work right. of art. One's a fucking technological. Here you go, and and just like anybody else's, I mean, the thing about the thing about three D printing, all that, I mean, a computer can't really create anything that's not put into it, whereas a human can actually create. Yeah, and, and right, and what I don't want to buy is a house that looks like it's a half a million dollar house, but it's really a five thousand dollar piece of shit, like a three D printed just, one. Just let me just let me move into the trailer park. Right, knowing that I'm only spending seven thousand dollars on this thing, don't don't give me a you know a shined up, polished up piece of shit and call it a you know a mini you know suburban mansion. Well, let me ask you this: you got you're buying a work of art for your wall. You want one by Michael D'Angelo or whoever, one of these great fucking artists, or do you want one that's replicated by AI? Which one do you want? They both kind of will look the same. Absolutely. So that's why what, mine's what a value Claude, do, do you put on that the human? My, that's creation? why mine's a Claude Monet. Here's a Claude Monet. <laughs> okay, so you want the Monet, or do you? You have Claude Monet, and then you have C3PO Monet, or whatever the fuck. Um, I don't know. I think I think there's a value to to using your brain and knowing what's going on, and that's part of the attraction of diving, not just turning off your brain. You know, and everybody does it for different reasons. I get all that. Go and look hey, at Hey, listen, fish, there's probably yeah. a lot of people listening right now who are fans of the Great Dive Podcast that agree with you. Maybe too. And, and I know there's a ton of people out there listening yeah. that are like Fuck thinking that. the yeah. opposite. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of the people who have turned us off and sent <laughs> one star reviews who definitely think differently. They're just rambling that. on about and that's why, so I, that's why yeah. I know there's there's so many people out there that think the opposite. They just they, they want the quick, they want the easy because they want to go do the glory dive. But again, in my opinion, that's that's the back to the goal orientation versus a, a lifetime of diving because you've made it a philosophical basis for how how you're going to represent yourself underwater as well as on land. Uh, how you think and act? I keep uh, I keep trying to put it in some kind of analogy or metaphor or something that's uh, that people can see the difference. Like climbing Mount Everest. So you climb. Do you want to climb Mount Everest or do you want to have a helicopter drop you off at the top? So you both get to the same place, but one actually is a uh, a testament to he, the human endeavor of, of struggling. And, sure. So, yeah. so what do you want? Like I'll there was the a fucker. There, yeah, there was a yeah. day where that's why you went to Mount Everest because of the human struggle. That is the and day you were that's willing where to we're do at. it. But today, it's not. Today is that sounds like a lot of fucking frostbite. Just drop me off. I want so a picture of point? myself. I want a picture. <laughs> I got. Look at it's on my wall. Okay, so one's uh, ego me driven. On top of the, well, I, think, I guess they're both both ego driven. I don't know. One. It kind of just irks me a little. That's all. I know That's what you why mean. I, I know I what get you mean. a little bit like. Come on, let's let's not forget what we're 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 here for the journey. We're not here. We are here for that climb. We are not here for the helicopter ride to the top. We are here to learn on the climb. Thank you. And I'm telling you why we're here because I happen to know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Now sit back down. <laughs> 
Put your shirt back on. <laughs> Son of, it's too late. Um, listen, in open water class, Brando, you were told that we're going to take you to the 10 feet in the pool. We're going to take you to 25 feet on the open water dive. But you're allowed to go to 60 after you get your certification if you want to. And actually, you can go to 130 because that's the and limit. Then, <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, the, the reason, you know, may vary slightly from instructor to instructor. But to go past 60 feet down towards 100, you've got to take your advanced class and you're going to do a deep dive in your advanced training and and spend some time following your instructor below 60 feet of water to prepare you for diving to a hundred and then the 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 push is always if you're the, the better you are the little bit deeper you can go a little bit deeper you can go and we can toy and noodle and, and kind of massage that 130 foot area and just kind of grope it a little bit but in in cave diving one of the cardinal five rules is we avoid diving deep on air dun, dun, right dun. right and why is right it from, only in cave diving right from the beginning <laughs> And that's my point yeah. is that that's at some point open water is going to have to flip over t- to have this concept right from day one of we don't deep dive on air because it's going to affect your decision making and you're underwater and you need to make and important decisions. CO2 is going to build up, which again, you know, it's going to affect your consciousness level if you uh, continue. But Ab- absolutely. So being and, and you're presented from day one. With, with where the thinking is going to go. Yeah. And you start planning that way immediately, knowing that you're well in that safe zone. Of, and this is why I'm in 60 feet of water and I'm happy and I'm clear-headed and I'm comfortable because I've thought about the gas planning right from the beginning. Jeff says, the deeper one dives, the greater the risk. There are several reasons for this. Air supplies do not last as long. Decompression and the risk of the bends becomes a significant issue. And finally, nitrogen narcosis impairs judgment, critical thinking, and manual dexterity. The accident files show that in the past, most of the experienced cave divers who died in caves primarily did so because of depth. Explorers often used air to explore caves to depths in excess of 400 feet of seawater. Air should not be used for dives deeper than 130 feet. Impacts of narcosis and deep water blackout were real problems that resulted in fatalities. I noticed he left out hydrogen psychosis. (laughs) Crazy eye, if you will. (laughs) Crazy eye is something that you get... At the Great Outdoors <laughs> in High Springs, Florida. That's exactly what on, happened. On Saturday nights. Yeah. Get them out of the water now. But in the majority of dive training that you do, especially like uh, you get certified because uh, you're, you're going on this family cruise and you're going to stop in Cozumel so I can get a dive in. Or we're going on a family holiday to Bali. I want to go do a scuba dive while I'm on holiday. Um, always wanted to go... Do a you know a month long trip and explore all of Australia. 
uh, let's do one dive on the Great Barrier Reef. Let's get a cert- scuba certification class, right? Which is the way the industry has built itself for decades now. Of that's how we get people into diving, rather than to getting somebody into diving immediately, knowing that we're going to set them up for a decades-long journey, right? When it, when it's the quick, fast model, there's no time in that class to sit there and talk about proper gas selection properties of gases and what it means really to breathe underwater now i believe that someday in my perfect scuba world when i'm king of the scuba education it's going to be you know the model's going to be different it's not going to be a fast rush to get certified it's going to be the way i present it now is if you want to learn my way you, you take the time to, to learn the things that are important this is what you were talking about a moment ago of having a clear philosophical base to your approach to diving rather than just slap it through some skills so you can get underwater and take a picture of the cool t-shirt dive site so avoiding deep air when we really look at it is is understanding gas properties right from the beginning <laughs> and how they and how they're going to impact you underwater yeah that harkens me back to the intensive and extensive physics and gas properties section of my open water class <laughs> wait a minute i think it's only i don't think it's only gotten less i i look at what it was even when i took open water into where it is now just like they don't teach tables at all so you have no idea of the basis for your computer algorithm in the sport diving world they've been systematically doing that for for 20 years now, they've been trying to take the dive table out of the class and replace it with a computer because that saves hours of instruction. By not teaching them something, we'll save time. Is that what you mean? <laughs> and make more, and we'll make more money. Yeah, well, time is money. If that time goes into your pocket and not the students, you know, the student's not giving it to you. So, yeah, I mean, you're just watching the uh, course get more and more watered down from the gas planning to the gas physics to the physiology of the gas in your body, which are all quite important to the diver, even at the recreational level, even at the zero to 60 foot level, if you ask me. Nobody asked me, but if they did, I would have to say this. Right on number five is lights. Well, you are in an overhead, which means there's no ambient light coming in. And in order to see, we need lights. And if you can't see, you can't find your way home. And if you can't find your way home, you're going to have a rough day. We carry a minimum of three lights per diver. I do that every day. I, all my kids carry three lights. To school. To school. <laughs> they don't even go to school. They just carry three lights around. They got a backup in their <laughs> lunchbox. Exactly. Jeff says humans are visual creatures. We rely on our sense of sight and are extremely impaired when we cannot see. Caves are dark environments. Trying to navigate through a cave without being able to see is inefficient and much slower than when we can see. Light failure has been implicated in multiple fatalities. From this realization, as well as looking at out-of-gas emergencies, Cave divers develop the paradigm of equipment redundancy as one of the foundations of the activity. You look at the the land drills where you uh, blindfold your, your mask. You put your mask on blindfold or just put a blindfold on your face and do the line drills. Okay, so you do it once with your eyes open. 
follow a 200-foot line on land, around some trees, some rocks, whatever. Three, three minutes, right? <laughs> you put a blindfold on them, which is essentially what happens when you lose your light underwater, and it's 15 minutes. So you got to think about that now, extrapolate that to having a, a finite gas supply on your back and sharing gas with a teammate. Right, right. Uh, well, you and, and then you go, oh, thirds I planned for not, thirds. Yeah, thirds <laughs> I planned for thirds, it. and it mm-hmm. took me five times as long. That's mm-hmm. that math doesn't work out. And then if we can extrapolate that thinking, right? So I mean, there's that. Yes, in in the overhead, I need a primary light. I need those two backups. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the team has that to ensure that we are always going to have enough light so that we don't have that very situation. But Again, that can trickle down if if the thinking model is based with that as an end goal of some sort. Yeah, with that end in mind, that can that that thinking of redundancy can extrapolate all the way back to the open, open water, water diver yeah. and how we think and how we plan because we're teaching more of an overall mindset than just a, a couple of goal oriented skills so you can go down and do a dive on your cruise to the Bahamas. Yeah, again, it's it goes to that teaching a philosophy versus uh these set skills. You got to teach a philosophy, you got to teach an approach, you got to teach a mindset. So when you approach your dive and your dive plan, these kind of things carry over. In other words, what do I need should the shit hit the fan at the very deepest furthest part of my dive or point of my dive? That original mindset where that's where you begin your dive plan. How much gas do I need there to get us both home safely and do our safe ascent? And then what else will I need should the shit hit the fan there? Yeah. And unfortunately for most most divers and most instructors even out there is they've never been exposed to scuba as a mindset or scuba as a, a philosophy to teach. It's strictly a skill and equipment based approach for I'm going to say 95, if if not more, of the, of the instructional core out there. 97 at least. I, uh, I have to believe you're 100% correct because the emphasis on a, the instructor course is make sure you check off the boxes as the students complete these, this set of skills. So all you're doing is checking these boxes once the boxes are all checked. They're they're good to go. You they've accomplished everything that is set forth in that course. However, there's no mindset that is in those little check boxes. Does this has this person been taught a mindset, like how to think and convert things that you were trained into a a, a real life scenario, and that you can you can change your thinking on the fly or you can change your actions on the fly when they're dictated by the environment and the the incident that is at hand. Uh, and possibly even to abandon some of the, of the thinking right. for, yeah, for, for something yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, you're 100% right, James. You got, you got to know when to let it go, too, when, when, okay, I've got all these quote-unquote rules, but when do I have to, like, let a, a rule go and <laughs> and approach it differently, which comes in a mindset, kind of comes in a philosophical approach to diving. 
Jeff concludes by saying there are many causes of fatalities in cave diving. Classic accident analysis incorporates five causes. Lack of training, no guidelines, poor air management, deep diving, and failure to carry three lights per person. More recent analysis has suggested six further contributory causes. Inappropriate gas mixtures, using new technology, medical problems, poor equipment maintenance, solo diving, and poor skill maintenance. An event cascade may start from any one of these factors and snowball into a situation a diver can no longer handle. However, almost all of these causes can be summarized by one root problem. Pilot error. The diver or or dive team makes a mistake that directly leads to the deaths of one or more of the team. Take the time to realistically evaluate your personal competency and that of your team. And when in doubt, opt for an easier dive. Do not treat cave diving with complacency. It is not a safe activity. Cave diving can be pursued with a reasonable degree of risk, but only if you stack the deck in your favor. Follow the rules learned in your certification course. Maintain yourself and your equipment. Do not take shortcuts. And above all, be honest with yourself. Well, there's part of that philosophy, you know, that, that be honest with yourself. Know your limit. A man's got to know his limitations, to, to quote Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and, and, and that's, uh, I, I think, ultimately where I was going, you know, with the beginning of this is having the philosophy to be able to say that right from the beginning. Yeah, if you can if you can get that in your course, you got to remember as an instructor, I think you you hold a very valuable position in the new diver's psyche, if you will. I mean, you're looked at as the fucking king god of scuba, no matter what kind of schmuck you are. You know, you, you are. So, you're looked at like whatever comes out of this mentor's mouth is probably like, you know, the word of God in scuba. And for many cases, it is. I mean, for a lot of people, um, when you're on that trip and and you reluctantly, you know, walk down in your swimsuit and towel, you know, down to the the hotel pool for the very, very first time. Yeah, that that person with the instructor hat on in many ways is holding your life in their hands. So you're damn right. Like you are going to be seen as a God. And when you, when you just say something that you don't truly know, because you really haven't experienced enough yet, uh, you just regurgitate it because that's all you have to go on is somebody told it to you because somebody told it to them, but you really don't have the experience to back it up. That's where the, the, the lack of the overall philosophy crumbles apart because there's nothing there exactly and that's why you have to really as an instructor you should really hold yourself to a high standard as far as what's coming out of your pie hole to your students yeah absolutely you you have to have experience in in more than that one location that you've been in right you you need something to draw from you know so when those students go back home you can give them advice that they, they, they can use anywhere so now you see the importance of an instructor coming out on day one, minute one, and go take your egos and stick them in your f- fucking 
purse or whatever, <laughs> uh, because you have to look at in the mirror and be honest with yourself with what are you capable of doing? What are you able to do safely and, and well? And, and also know that you're diving on a team and when you overextend your ass out there, you've taken your whole team over that, that line too. So, right. Now you've got the lives of two other people yeah, with you. Possibly. Yeah. And, and that Murphy. Yeah. Murphy, that, Murphy. Uh, right. That, that, you know, your <laughs> in, incompetence or your ego just put everybody in a place that nobody deserves to be. Right. So that's, that's what I'm getting at with the importance of an instructor. And if the instructor can come out and say right from the get go, you, you have to be extremely honest with yourself when you're approaching especially as you move up in diving, if you want to call it that, as you move into more difficult environments, more difficult, complex diving uh, scenarios. You really need to be very honest with yourself, physically and mentally. Yeah, for sure, man. Very cool. Hey, everybody, there you go. That's a cool little uh, article by good old Jeff Bozanek. Um, it's It's a bigger article than what we went through. I mean, this thing's like 10 pages long in this book. Um, and he, he goes over in, in detail a lot of those new contributing factors like, you know, the, the skill maintenance and cascading events, solo diving, medical problems, inappropriate gas mixtures. I mean, he really talks about everything that's really at the core of, a, of the philosophical base of having an underwater mindset more than having a certification card to go diving. And I think, I think in many ways, you know, the, the cave diving world, the, the cave diving greats of the world, especially that have been playing the game for multiple decades. I think, oh, you know, with the introduction of social media and being able to see pictures of the glory dives immediately, right from the get go, I think the cave world is, has over the last couple of years suffered a little bit of what the open water world of, you know, somebody can go from zero to hero of cave diver to cave instructor you know again only diving one cave environment uh get the minimum number of cave dives and then you know there they are now you know sharing their limited experience with a whole new group you know it's like a virus you know it it just keeps getting passed on so that new group of students now has has the uh, education from the vantage point of a very limited experienced diver, which gets passed on as they progress. It's a virus. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's, that's the business of, uh, of the game we play. And, uh, you know, finding an instructor, not just any instructor, but finding an instructor that speaks a language, you know, that you, admire and respect and has the experience to, to, to back it up is where you're going to find the, the quality dive education that's going to that you're going to be able to carry with you not in just that environment for that one class you're taking but for the rest of your diving that's a that's what a good instructor is allowed you know able to give especially a good cave instructor is going to have the balls to tell the truth about what it takes to be a safe cave diver. you got to have balls yeah, it's a dangerous game we play. And um, if you have that philosophy, like, you'll take that all the way to, you know, open water, you know, training dive number one when you're in 25 feet of water and you realize it's a dangerous game you play. I mean, my my aunt, when she's, you know, sitting on the you know the couch at, you know, 
Thanksgiving watching TV and sees the commercial underwater. The people are in, you know, I see them that they're in 10 feet of water in the Florida Keys. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see the surface thinking it's nothing. Uh-huh. She's like, oh my God, they're underwater. It's, it's, mm-hmm. a, a, it's a million feet deep if it's one feet deep. Yeah. You know, so how do you have a, a bridge that, that, that spans that whole gap? And in my opinion, and I, I, I assume yours, it, it's philosophy mm-hmm. more so than just some basic skills. Philosophy and balls. Philosophy and balls. Speaking of balls, Brando, <laughs> you got to get your, uh, you want to make sure your balls are looking good for 2024 because the new year is upon us and cheers, everybody. To our friends over at Manscaped, um, hopefully your cave diving resolutions and your New Year's resolutions have been well kept this season. Um, and if not, you need to get over to Manscaped, get yourself a good old lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. You know, every man can use this to look good and feel good. Turn the page on your confidence, not just underwater, not just cave diving underwater, but your confidence everywhere while you're changing, you know, uh, out of your clothes into your undergarments, you're rolling on that condom catheter or even that you want to be or or slapping on that sheepy ladies. You, too, can have the confidence of using that lawnmower 5.0 ultra. Whether you're trying to look good. Maintain a, a nice clean trim up down there or, or good clean trim underwater. This trimmer's got you covered, people. It's trusted by over 10 million men worldwide. Now is the time for you to get a grip on your grooming with uh, our exclusive code. You got it. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code TGDP. Get your 20% off and free shipping, everybody. I like that. I, I tried to serve up a softball. Nice underhand right over the plate. <laughs> it was perfect. It was it was almost as perfect as that lawnmower 5.0, Brandon. It it hits all the bases. It's not just a trimmer, it's like your grooming dive buddy. It's almost as good like like you can use that thing yourself. Get down there and really really get between the <laughs> between the thighs, all down around the, the base. <laughs> You know, under your sack, Brando, pretty easily, right? It's got those uh, skin-safe blades. It's got the, the the LED light on there. It's almost as good as if I was down there as your trimming buddy, <laughs> like doing okay, it for trimming you. Trimming buddy. Uh, with this particular uh, skill set, we, we both hold certification in the solo <laughs> the solo class. Listen, I've got a, I've got a grooming uh, <laughs> philosophy that I can share with you. I bet you do. All right, everybody. Hey, get over uh, there to manscaped.com. Get 20% off of free shipping. Use our code TGDP. Remember, um, Manscaped's there helping us out uh, over here at the Great Dive Podcast, allowing us to pay the bills here to uh, keep bringing this show to you. So, do yourself a favor. Do your dive buddy a favor. Get over there and um, get your dive buddy a, you know, a nice little uh, present because nothing says Happy New Year like a package for your dive buddy's package. So get over there to Manscaped. Brando, James. should we should we sign? Um, no. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no, no, no we're going to download our, our computers. 
Right, download our computers to your <laughs> PC. <laughs> to, yes, to my phone, actually. And... All right, everybody. Well, we will talk to you once again next week. Toodles. Toodles. Doesn't, doesn't feel right, but... The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Blood, 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 blood.